This is the X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double M, what's going on? He's a gangster. Yes, I need your advice, super genius. You're an ass, you're an ass, you're an ass. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X, 412. They do, uh, but if they do, it's going to be by being aware that the better part of Game 5 was something that uh, they controlled, that they went, that, that they delivered what they wanted to do in that game, everything except for Tristan Jari's goaltending gaffe there at the end. And, well, and scoring, too. And they didn't score in 52 too. minutes, Dejan. That's what I was about to say. That, yeah, that That's the other factor here is the whole bearing down on shooting, which is something I've been talking and writing about throughout this series. Uh, the Penguins are a team that behaves as if there's always going to be another chance. And I mean that in the both the the literal and the figurative senses when you think of jeff carter a guy who's shot every puck he's ever seen his entire life trying to pass to jared mccann on that two-on-one you know that's him developing penguinsitis you know and and it's they have to they have to treat their scoring chances the way they did here on long island in game in game three remember that every chance they had it was just Boom, let's just get it to the net. Let's just fire it there. How does Jari regroup? Because that was awful. Yeah, I, I, that, that's the one where I just don't know. I mean, he's so hard to figure out uh, on so many levels, uh, including off the ice. Uh, he's just he's a different dude, uh, difficult to read. Uh, how does he do it by being that, I guess? You know, think about it. I mean, if, if you're if you're a different dude, this is the time. To well, yeah, but I, I've been told I've been told that the Penguins have gone from thinking that his relaxed attitude is a strength to thinking it's a weakness. Yeah, but tonight it might be a strength, you know. But the relaxed attitude thing, you know, you, if you think about it, you know, we've seen a couple examples of that this season. You know, particularly as it related to stick handling, where he would. You know, remember the one time he dropped the puck in front of himself and thought he was going to shoot toward an empty net? Um, you know, and it was just like, what? What are you doing? Uh, because the, I think part the, of it is, Dejon, and this is a horrible thing to say, I don't think he's too bright. Well, it, it is a horrible thing to say, and I'm not sure that if you pointed a gun to my head right now on live radio that I'd disagree with you. Uh, I, I've not noticed another gear going on there. Um, but again, sometimes that sort of thing can help you, whatever that is, whether it's just oblivion or intelligence or who knows, um, that you're not overthinking the situation. Um, but I, I, how does he overcome it? I think that's the answer. I really do. Um, he's got the ability, you know, no one's ever doubted that he's got the athletic ability to be a really, really good goaltender in the NHL, but you know, the position demands maybe a little more. What changes would you make with the Penguins, whether it's the lineup or tactically? Uh, from game five, I, I would stress nothing other than the, the bearing down of shots. I, I really would. I mean, if you go right up and down every check mark, they hit them all. You know, they, they got the puck in deep the way Mike Sullivan and the staff were urging them to do for game five. Uh, they made it to the middle of the ice. They made it there regularly. They made it there authoritatively. Uh, they defended, I, I thought, really well. 
You know, you go over, you know, four periods and change, and the Islanders ended up with, I believe it was five high-danger scoring chances all night long. Uh, you, you, you can't really top that. I'm not sure that if you're the head coach, you're going to these guys and say, hey, let's try something completely different. You know, that worked. They just didn't get the goaltending, and they didn't get the goals. Well, here, here's two things I'd do. I wouldn't be so married to that fourth line. I'd play Sid Moore. He only played 22 minutes the other night. Malkin played 24. I know Malkin's hurt, but that's still not enough for your stars in a double overtime game. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily roll four lines religiously. I might try Tanev up in the top six to give somebody a shot of adrenaline, and I'd put Jeff Carter on the first power play because A, right-handed shot, B, wins face-offs, C, he's the hot hand. Yes, and, and, and D actually takes the shot more often than not. Um, the one thing I'll say about Sid and double shifting, because I was in favor of that earlier in the series, but watching how slowly he's getting up, uh, I, I've not seen that from him unless he's been hurt. Uh, seeing his face-off numbers, uh, he's at 41.7% for this series, uh, and it's staying down. It's not like he's just getting cleaned by one guy the way we've seen in the past with Sean Couturier or Patrice Bergeron. Uh, Sid looks to me like he's hurt, and, and, and maybe significantly so. So I'm not sure if he, that adding to his ice time is going to make him a whole lot more effective. Uh, Jason Zucker actually played more than Sid did in the last game. you know, And it's not like Zucker's out there on special teams to run up that number. So I have a feeling there's something really off there. Yeah, maybe, but tonight's do or die, so I, I might roll the yep. dice if it's not a crippling injury. Uh, why can't Sitter Gino take over playoff games anymore? The the point totals dating back to after they lost in 2018 are just not good. Is it age no, or is it the Islanders? It's, it's, it's five points over a 13-game span. Uh, for each of them, and zero game-winning goals, uh, you know, and, and the zero game-winners for Sid goes back to 2016. For Gino, it goes back to 2017. Um, it's got to be age more than anything else. Uh, you're seeing uh, their elite talent comes out uh, in the regular season, and what they are, even though those numbers have also diminished, and it's got to be partly the opponent, but more than anything else, Mark, it's just, you know, the playoffs are when you have to be at your freshest and your most, you know, liveliest and, and energetic and everything else. And that's, that's that level that they aren't hitting. Um, to lump them together right now, you know, game five, you know, Gino showed a lot of that through that game. You know, he showed a lot of old school Gino in that game. Sid, I'm not sure can do that right now. So, you know, if you're looking at it from the macro sense, which is, which is what it looks like you're getting at here, if you're expecting the core to carry the Pittsburgh Penguins to another championship, you're probably whistling by the graveyard. Oh, I've said that since you know? 2018. I, I thought the window closed then. Yeah, uh, I mean, 2018 was, you know, they won a playoff series and they lost to the eventual champs. Yeah, um, but, but it, you know, I, they, you're right. They acquitted themselves real well in 2018 and not since. I said then it was the end of the road. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the 
the the 2019 playoffs, I fought mostly on a supporting cast and the, what happened up here uh, and, and ran into a complete buzzsaw. But then last year, to me, the, the, the bubble, you know, is the one that really, really jumps out where you just saw Montreal and these younger guys just go flying around way less talented than what Pittsburgh had. Uh, that that was the that was the real warning sign. But then, Mark, then they go in the regular season and they do what they just did. You know, yeah, a lot that, of people that, that doesn't, doesn't even matter. think they'd make the playoffs. Well, yeah, you know? but it, as it turns out, maybe it, it doesn't make a difference that they did. I mean, they got to win these next two games, or the season's a bust. The division title means nothing. You know that. No, I know, especially for this franchise. But I also know that you know this 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 team did things that were not expected of it. Uh, you know, to Jim Rutherford's credit, principally, the team was able to get faster and everything else. Not younger, not that much younger, but faster. Uh, but what we're seeing in these playoffs is is something that's a little bit different, you know. And we're probably not talking enough, to be honest with you, about the difference that goaltending has made. And that oh, goes no, I, I think we've talked plenty too. about that. Uh, and I give Trotz a lot of credit. Soroka's been brilliant. And he has benched a likely Vezina finalist to play a rookie, and it's working. And I got to tell you, yeah, I'm that's not the kind of bold move Sullivan don't make. Is, yeah, I'm not as sold on Sorokin as everybody else is. Uh, you know, I, I know he played really, really well in Game Five. Uh, I, I didn't see much from him before that. Uh, I, I think he's he's somebody who can be exposed. Well, we'll see, and he it better start tonight. Uh, and I don't think right. we're giving the Islanders <laughs> enough credit either. Uh, not here in Pittsburgh, anyway. I came into this series thinking the Penguins had become much more systemic. And then I saw the Islanders. And the Penguins are more systemic, but not like them. The Islanders don't make mistakes, and the Penguins do. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know about that, Mark. I mean, based on you know, the Islanders aren't built to give up 84 shot attempts in a game. I mean, I, I don't see them doing anything super spectacular or brilliant out there or stifling. Now, a lot of those shots you know? aren't great shots. They're keeping the Penguins pinned to the perimeter. No, that's fair. I mean, out of out of those 84 shot attempts, the Penguins ended up coming up with 16 high-danger chances, which is a pretty you know, low ratio. And then, of course, the Penguins also turned a lot of potential high-danger chances into dumb passes and 22 misses. Did you know the Penguins missed the net 22 times in Game 5? Oh, I am, I am not uh, surprised. I... I I I yeah. think I think probably eighty percent of those were across the goalie, into the opposite corner, out back over the blue and line on the, the rim. They they tend to do yeah. that quite a bit. Uh, uh, part of the Penguins' problem is too they don't manage scoring situation. That's what I mean by being buttoned up. For example, I've no problem with Latang pinching uh, in the first period, which led to that goal by by. Uh, Beauvillier when he had Gensel one on one. I do have I do have a problem doing it when I have a chance to take a one goal lead into the first intermission and there's a minute left. Well, put that on the head coach. I mean, that's the, as much respect as I have for Mike Sullivan. That's an adjustment he's never never made uh, in almost any situation. Uh, I used to really seize over when they were playing the, the, the Devils when the, when New Jersey had Taylor Hall and it was a, totally a one-line team and the Penguins were taking all these risks when Hall was on the rink. It's like, can you just adjust for one shift? Can you just not do that for one shift? Uh, he doesn't do it. He doesn't believe in doing it situationally. 
Uh, those guys are pinching in overtime. Those guys are pinching in the last minute of a period. Um, my, my bigger issue with that one was that Latang did pinch, but then so did Brian Dumoulin moving up into the zone. And that's, that's asking too much because the first two guys back were Gensel and Sid. And, and, you know, in, in the spirit of giving the Islanders credit, Beauvillier read that really well, understood that it was Jake and made a, like a, a college level inside and out move to beat him and then beat Tristan Jari way too easily on the blocker side. So uh, there's just every one of these things, Mark. You know how this goes. We can break down every one of these and find multiple points of fault. Penguins need to bear down. That's it. To me, they need to play a whole heck of a lot better tonight in terms of bearing down. But systematically and everything else, I'm not sure what else you could ask. What are your expectations for tonight? How's tonight going to go? I don't believe that they'll win this game. I really don't because I this not is even if they crazy. bear down. The, yeah, because I don't think the Islanders have played their best game. I, <laughs> well, I know that sounds nuts. If, if they, if they play the a lot better, and I agree, the Penguins outplayed them uh, on Monday. Yeah. But, but I also agree that I think it's unlikely to happen tonight. Uh, if the Penguins lose, who's most likely to be gone? Uh, we'll discuss in detail potential changes probably next week if they get eliminated. But just a uh, a Reader's Digest shortened version. Oh, I mean, the very, very shortened version is if you're Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, you've got to start having the big dialogue about Gino. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, these guys were here uh, and presiding over the team when Gino wasn't here, and they're, they don't have to wonder whether or not the team would be a train wreck without him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, the Penguins uh, they, proved they, themselves they without Gino. Advantage. They played very well. Yeah, I agree with that. In front of their eyes. In front of their eyes. That's the point that I'm making. And those guys saw him. They say they saw this team succeed at a really, really high level. But what about what Sid might want? What about what Mario might want? Uh, You know what? Mario doesn't ask by name for Berkey to come in and expect to overrule Berkey the first time Berkey wants something. You know, I I think you're probably right, but let me let me pitch a a devil's advocate style compromise because it's what I see happening. I. I thought about this a lot in the past 24 hours. I think Malkin and Latang both come back for the final year of their contracts because the pandemic cost this team a lot of revenue and it needs to sell tickets. Um, you're losing a lot of trade value. You know that. You know, anytime you're waiting on you know somebody. You well, know, yeah, but but the only contract. the biggest gain with Malkin anyway, Dejan, was going to be the cap space. You weren't going to get much back for him. Well, that's the other thing about both uh, about. Malkin and Latang. Uh, I don't know if Pittsburgh fans realize this, but their contracts are now immense bargains by NHL standards. Both of them, even as they, you know, even as Malkin currently was, um, you know, Latang's is an epic bargain. You know, I'm not even sure Latang should be in this conversation. No, the way, honestly, in the Geno Nation, don't want to hear this. The way Latang's played, and the way Geno's played, and the way the Penguins play without Geno, you keep Latang. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean uh, the the way Latang has played over. You can't replace Latang. Not all those minutes. No way. No, but no, but you know there, this team did show, and more than once, not just this past season, that it can win and that it can play the system and, and play everything else without Gino. Um, but you're right. This does feel like a better conversation for afterward. You know, doesn't it? That's a long three hours, two and a half today. Dejan, good stuff. <laughs> Enjoy the game tonight. 
All right, Mark. Thank you. That's Dejan Kovacevic from DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's brought to us by your neighborhood Ford stores. We've got a whole bunch of crap left to talk about. we got Tony Loftman from the NHL Network. He joins me at 430. Uh, we talked earlier about the five biggest blunders in Pittsburgh sports history. I got one I left off the list we might have to add on that somebody tweeted. Uh, it's the Mark Man Show 105.9.